Hey guys, in this Sam Mays podcast, Sooner Edition, I had a chance to sit down with Travis Davison, host of the OU Twitter Spaces, and Tulsa High School football legend and former Sooner great Dominique Franks to talk a little bit about uh, the recent coaching changes there at Oklahoma, uh, obviously what's going on with the transfer portal, NIL, uh, a little bit of uh, Schmitty stories, and much more. Had a blast there at Trey's Bar and Grill in Tulsa, so stay tuned and hope you guys enjoy this one. Empire Bar Service is Oklahoma's premier bartending experience specializing in weddings, private parties, holiday parties, and corporate events. With combined experience of over 50 years, Empire Bar Service has the skill and knowledge to make your event one to remember. With the highest liability insurance and all licensing needed, the stress of serving alcohol at your event disappears. Plus, Empire Bar Service will assist with your signature cocktail creation and craft brewery relationships so your event can truly be one of a kind. Find them on Facebook or text 405-850-1334 and tell them Sam Mays sent you for a special discount. Elton John is coming to OKC in one week, but tickets are expensive. The great news is Totally Tickets can save you 5 to 15% over other online retailers and provide better service. If you're shopping, you have to give them a shot to earn your business. From the time you purchase until your butt's in the seat, Totally Tickets has your back. So save money and ditch the concerns of buying online. Visit TotallyTickets.com. Let out the peace. Let him out. Let him out. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays, and today on the Sam Mays Podcast, we've got Mr. Travis Davison, host of uh, OU Twitter Spaces. And uh, Mr. Dominique Franks, who just did 40 minutes with me on the podcast, that <laughs> just blew my mind. But we're going to bring Travis and Dom in here to change up the topic a little bit, as Oklahoma has been uh, the center of the college football world, right? With Lincoln Riley's departure, Brent Venables gets the job. Now he's at the helm. Bob Soups comes in as the intermediate. And during all this time, Travis, my friend over here, has been really kind of an OU fan champion, giving them a platform on Twitter to come and discuss uh, what's happening, how they feel about it, and and get some information from people that know what's happening. Because there's a lot of misinformation floating around during all this time. This coach is going here, or this guy's going here, players leaving left and right, you know, what's going to happen? So I, I have joined uh, your Twitter spaces as a spectator many a time and not said one thing because I just love the conversation. It's a bunch of passionate people, excited people talking about Oklahoma football, and that's what we're here to do today. Hey, uh, first off, I appreciate you uh, coming to Trey's, doing this, having me on. Uh, I appreciate Don, appreciate you being here. Uh, yeah, it's it's honestly, I never could have expected in my wildest dreams what, A, this, I mean, Twitter in general would uh, be doing over these last six, seven weeks, but just the, the spaces were so new at the time. So everybody was kind of feeling them out anyways. And you'd have your, you know, middle of the day space that was talking about just generalities, right? Absolutely. Um, and people were kind of learning. There were times that I hopped in, at, you know, when I'm getting off work at the restaurants and it's there's a space happening in Europe. And they're like, oh, this is our lunchtime, you know, just kind of exploring this space. And I'm in there talking to people. I'm like, man, this is pretty wild. So when that news hit on Sunday that next Tuesday, because people, I was just seeing all kinds of rumors on Twitter and this, that, and the other, and I was talking with some of the guys from like 247, uh, I was talking with guys like you and guys that, like, everybody wants information, and I was like, I feel like I, I talked to enough, you know, guys like you, and then 
coaches and players people in the know, like, right? That I feel like there's so much just, just. I mean, people are hacking through the the jungle of of rumors with their machete, and they don't know which direction they're going, but they're just going to keep hacking. I was like, we need to provide a scheduled time because the spaces at the time were just, again, they were kind of sporadic. You know, if people had some time on their lunch break or whatever, they'd pop one open. So we started doing one at 9, 9 p.m., and the first one we had, it was 2,000 people, and it started at 9 p.m., and I wasn't sure if there was a limit on it. I wasn't sure. Like, I was still learning about the, the platform. So uh, – Luckily, I had a lot of guys that had done them a little more often. They're like, hey, you know, you can make co-hosts and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. That means I get more speakers? Okay, cool, whatever. Like, I didn't know. I was just uh, – I knew I knew that it had to happen. So um, I put it out there that first night. I remember it being on a Tuesday because I meet with my trainer on Wednesday mornings uh, early in the morning. And it was going and it was going. And we still had – I mean, at 3 a.m., I think I looked, we had like 800 to 1,000 people still in it. Because people yeah. were still so thirsty for the information, yeah. and they were freaking out. Their coach just left them. We got dumped is what happened. Is Absolutely. We yeah. got dumped, and we're trying to find out why we got dumped. Is it about us? Is it about them? Like, right. what happened, right? Right. So right. it's it's people, and it was essentially grief counseling there for a while, and it was like everything's going to be okay. If the people that know more are okay, then you should be fine. Like, just, just look at the people in the know. If, if they seem to be calm, it's usually pretty good that, that it's going to be calm. So it's kind of like looking at the driver of a car, right? If if they're real tense and they're white knuckling and all that, then I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that seatbelt tight and maybe I'll I'll grab onto the handle. But if they if they're cool and chilling, I'm like, all right, they're un- it, things are under control. Um, so with uh, with that that first night we went and it was like it's like three four in the morning and I just realized what day it was and I was like, oh no, I have to be yeah, in the train gym in like <laughs> two hours. I was like, did you make it to the workout? I, like, I did, but I was worthless. I <laughs> hey, was you worthless. made it though. I literally sat there my and. My trainer looked at me. He's like, "What's what's wrong with you?" He's like, "Are you sick?" I'm like, "I'm just real tired, man. Like, I was, I got like you know an hour of sleep, whatever." And it was the worst workout I'd done in a long time. Um, but uh, then that next day, they're like, "Man, uh, I was getting messages like, man, I really appreciate that. That brought a lot of insight. Um, appreciate you having like Parker Thunes on all the time. Like, appreciate you having Parker on. Like, I just feel a lot better about the situation with that." So I was like, we'll do it again tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So we did it again that night, and more people jumped on. Then we did it again. And what's cool is, like, Zach Hefley jumped on. Zach Hefley, obviously, he was Lincoln Riley's first hire, first official hire as head coach. So he was um, over a lot of the creative department, um, all the cool videos and signing day shoots and all that. Well, um, he actually brought Kenneth Murray on. Well, so Kenneth Murray's on, and then we get recruits hopping on because there was a time. This was back when Jackson Dart was still at USC. Right. Jackson Dart was, and and I and I don't scroll to see who's in there. People message me who's in there. They're like, "Hey, Jackson Dart's in the space." Like, oh, that's wild. They're like, "Malachi Nelson's in the space." Because if you listen, people can see you listening. There's no like right. cloaking device, so everybody can see you. And it was called OU Rumors and News. And who doesn't want to know OU Rumors and News more than Malachi Nelson and Jackson Dart and and OU players and, I mean, ESPN writers and CBS writers and 247, all these people are like, this is the scoop. Right. Like, I can find out stuff in here without having to call for interviews, this, that, and the other. So, mm-hmm. and ESPN.com reached out and wanted to do a story on Twitter Spaces. So, they're like, hey, would you mind? We're going to feature the OU rumors and news on ESPN. I'm like, yeah, sounds awesome. So, did that. And then, most recently, the Wall Street Journal did an article on crazy. But That's it's big. crazy because it's just a new way, way to communicate. So what's cool is I was getting messages from people that were like, hey, 
Um, I remember this one, he had lost his son to COVID and like everything had gone wrong. Like his life, he's like, I, he's like, my mood is so like terminal on OU football, like that I've just really been down in the dumps. Like, and you know, I joined Twitter cause I heard about your stuff and, and it's really turned me around and you know, things are a lot better now. And I like that I'm informed, like stuff like that, that I never could have imagined. Right. I'm getting messages like this and I'm like, well, we have to keep doing this. Um, we have to keep providing an outlet, not only for, I mean, the cool part was you got guys having conversations when Kenneth Murray Jr. and Tommy Harris that are just jumping on there that never would just be able to pick up the phone and call them. Absolutely. But this is basically like being on the phone with somebody. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you know, what, you know, what's your favorite thing to do in L.A.? What's your, you know, whatever? How do you, how do you feel about this upcoming season? That kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's offering an experience that's unmatched. A hundred percent. So. So that was that was a really cool part. Um, let, let me stop you there. I yeah. got to ask both of you. And you talk about grief counseling. You're a diehard fan, committed to the program, worked with the program. Obviously, a former player. For both of you, in that, I'll never forget where I was at. I mean, Lincoln Riley taking the USC job, and I'm thinking, well, what? Where do we go from here? I don't have an emotional connection to it like you guys do. What was your emotional like? What did you feel in that moment? Go ahead, Don. Um. I was kind of happy. Oh wow! Okay. You know, I was I was more because you know I'm I'm a I'm a coach Venables guy. So when I seen it, and I was like, that it this has to be his opportunity to be able to come back. And I just know what he represents and how many DCs we've had since he's been gone. It was just like it was time for a change, and you needed to get that that grit back instead of. Uh, we win Big 12 championships. That's all we need to do. Right. And it's like, no, you got to get that competitive spirit back and go get the national championship. The Big 12 don't really matter anymore because we've been doing that. There's plenty of those times. So it was just like it was time for a change. It just kind of feels like a lot of those guys were too comfortable. Wow. wow. So I was I was cool. Let's, let's go ahead and make that call to Clemson and see if we can get them to Oklahoma. Yeah, well, and I think you bring up a great point of, of being comfortable, right? When you look at results, right, we had the overtime classic against Georgia, right, with, with Baker's last game, right? And then you get Kyler, and we, we make the playoffs, but we lose by double digits to Alabama. The next year we have Jalen, and we get blown out against LSU. The next year, Spencer's first year is the starter, and we win the Big 12, but we don't make the playoff. And then the next year we don't even make the Big 12 championship. When you put it like that, it's a program in obvious regression and decline. I mean, when you when you still can be a program in decline and go eleven and two, it doesn't compute with a lot of people. Right. But those of us that live and breathe it, we you know you can you can see like that's an obvious line down, and and it's very linear. So uh, I, I, you bring up a great point to the to the getting comfortable uh, a little bit. So uh, my instant reaction was, I mean, shock like everybody else. I mean, I've I've told the story uh, on the spaces, but I was actually on the phone with Caleb Williams' dad for like 20 minutes immediately before the announcement happened. So, because we were setting up deals for Caleb to take care of the offensive linemen, like he wants to cook meals for him, and then uh, this new company that will go public next month, uh, we were talking to him about getting involved in that. He wanted me to reach out to his PR firm and this, that, and the other. We were moving ahead, and he was, we were having conversations about doing this in Oklahoma, in Norman next year. He was like, you know, if you don't have a place here, maybe we could do it in Tulsa. We're having these conversations in a, in a long phone call, and he's the one that texted me like, hey, I've got some time to call. So 
So he had no idea. No clue. And that's, that's crazy. And that's why a lot of the rumors about, like, oh, well, they've been planning this the whole time, I can say unequivocally, with, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt that they did not, because Carl would have had no reason, unless he's playing 6D chess, to text me, be like, hey, you got time to talk. I call him, and then I'm literally, I'm having lunch somewhere else. I hang up the phone with him, I hop in the car, and I'm coming to meet somebody here. So that length of the drive was all it took before the ESPN report comes out. And, and I was like, this was, he had no clue. And I guarantee you he found out in ESPN just like everybody else. That's crazy. And that's what's so wild is that's how sudden it was because I literally was saying, hey, now that Lincoln said last night that he wasn't going to LSU, you know, and he was like, yeah, you know, we, we, you know, he kind of told us he wasn't going to LSU, so uh, we can have these conversations. And then just blindsided. So that's why I was, at first, I literally was in disbelief, right? I, I see it, and I think I tweeted, I quote tweeted, I think it was Fellman or Thamel that put it out, I forget, but um, I quote tweeted it and said, this is exhausting. Like, because I just figured it was more rumors, because yeah. he shut down LSU, so the rumor mill now has to say USC, and we hadn't heard USC at all. Right. And all of a sudden it's done, and I'm sitting here, I've got recruits DMing me or texting me and saying, hey, is this real? I'm like, he didn't even tell his recruits? Like, he didn't tell, like, and and you're asking me if it's real? I'm like, yes, it's real, unfortunately. Like, That's crazy. And it was so wild. So that was my initial reaction was just the instant shock. And then, like, all right, well. And then, obviously, the, the, the next is, all right, who are we getting? Right. So he- – so now Sooner Nation is completely caught off guard, right? They have no idea that this is going down. They just get told that LSU is not an option. He's headed out to USC. What happened next to me is, and being from Ohio, I think I, I'm fortunate to be from a state that also has a blue blood. So I saw an Oklahoma University fan base do what I would have expected Ohio State's fan base to do, and it's rally around each other rally around the current players and then you know you see this group of players who doesn't necessarily give you that we're all in vibe and they start getting they start transferring out they start you know the conversations are uh, not necessarily a positive about some of these guys and and you know they're interacting with the fan base in a negative way and it just seemed like the sooner faithful got together with the players that wanted to be here and you saw this big cohesive push towards what we need to carry everybody into what's next. And this is even before BV was mentioned to being the head coach. Like everybody kind of circled the wagons. And as, as a former player, you know, as a diehard, as somebody that's committed to the program, y'all had got to be thrilled with the way that your fan base reacted to this in such a positive, helpful, you know, we've got each other. Like you said, it's like this damage control grief counseling thing. And everybody took part of it, including current players. It was amazing to watch. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it was healthy, uh, as crazy as it sounds. I think it was so healthy, and to and it's a it's a great testament to what your health of a program is 100%. when something like that can happen. And I mean, just the buzz around the program, the excitement. I mean, you see it from recruits across the country that are are ha- maybe don't have offers or anything, and they see the hires and they're like, "Oh, what's what are you guys doing down there in Oklahoma?" Uh, funny story. So that's that Sunday night that it happened. Of course, the rumors now, or the rumors then were like, oh, this coach is leaving, this coach is leaving, this coach, and they're all leaving out to USC. The, the worst part of all this, and the people I feel the worst for, are the assistant coaches. 
because not a single one, Teddy was saying this, not a single one of them wanted to be at USC. Every single one of them wanted to stay at Oklahoma. But if if you bring in BV, Grinch isn't getting retained. Right. Right? You, you normally at least lose your coordinators. Um, you know, if if it wouldn't have been an OU guy, then is Kale still there? Is Bill? Is DeMarco? Like, you don't know, right? Because often they're bringing in all these people. And so for him to basically say, hey, come out to USC or you can wait and find out if you have a job. What are you going to do, right? You're right. you're you're going to follow him, right? right? You have, to, I mean, you have to. have to. So I, there was talks about so Simmons, Clark Stroud, and all them. They were on the plane with him. Well, Beatenbow was in that in that main tweet that was like it was a report that these coaches are going to follow him. Beatenbow's on that tweet. So I shot him a text. I was like, dude, say it isn't so. And uh, he called me that night. He's like, hey, what have you heard? I was like. You tell me, like, I saw this tweet about you leaving. He goes, look, there's a reason I'm not on that plane. He goes, I don't want to go to California. Do I look like a guy that belongs in L.A.? Like, he's, yeah. he's as Oklahoma as Oklahoma gets. Love Coach B. Um, and those anybody that knows him knows that he is – I mean, he's got family in the area. He's got family in Tahlequah, his wife's family. Uh, he goes up to Grand. Like, he's he's Oklahoma. And he, he told me here at Trace uh, one day, he's like, I'm – I don't. I don't ever want to. Leave. I got the best job in the world, man. He's like, right. how many jobs can I leave to where I got what I got at Oklahoma? Yeah. Like, I'm doing what I love at a blue blood university. Um, and something he told me on the phone. Can I swear on this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, something, something he told me on the phone. He goes, "Look, Travis, you gotta understand. This is fucking Oklahoma. This is fucking Oklahoma." He goes, "Whether if I'm gone, they'll bring in somebody else that's just as good as me." And it's fucking Oklahoma. And he just kept on repeating that. He's like, it's it's not going anywhere. Right. Like, and it was just that sentiment from a guy who was in the impossible position of not knowing whether or not he was going to have a job. Right. Um, whether or not, like, so I mean, he's got little kids. Like, it, like, he wasn't sure what that future was all in one day. And his sentiment over and over was that everything's going to be fine because, it, because it's fucking Oklahoma. So when he told me that, I was like, ah, like, calm down a bit, but. Um, now with, uh, with those coaches, that's who I felt probably, probably the worst for. And of course the players too, but the players, you know, they often don't have families to move, Mm -hmm. uh, often don't have mortgages, often. And, and so it's, and, and they're not worried about, I mean, especially the top guys, like aren't worried about a new coach coming in and just axing all the players. Right. Like that happens to a coaching staff that typically doesn't happen to a whole roster. Right. Especially knowing now that like Venables wasn't going to bring over all of his Clemson players, like we're bringing in transfers because we need to fill holes. But it wasn't going to be a situation where all of Lincoln's guys are out and all my guys are coming with. Right. So I felt so bad for those coaches. I'm I'm decently close with Jamar Kane. His his, his family was actually in here the other day. Um, and like I've just grown really close to him, and I would talk often with him. Like, hey, where are you at on this? He's like. I don't know. Nobody will talk to me. Like, I don't I, – like, the administration, like, they're saying Venables is the guy, like, but I haven't heard anything. And, I mean, I went down to get my smokers, which is a whole other story. Uh, I went down to get my smokers, and he, he met up with us for lunch. I was like, can you get away? He's like, yeah, because I don't have a boss, and nobody will talk to me about right, anything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll come by for lunch. So, anyways, uh, I'm so happy that he ended up at LSU. That's a great, great position for him. He didn't want to go out to L.A. either. I mean, and he's from Sacramento. And he's like, I don't want to. He's like, I don't want to go out to L.A. He's like, and he's a Grinch guy, and he believes in what Grinch is doing and all that. But that LSU man, and they just landed a big transfer uh, this morning uh, that we were after as well. Uh, he was between uh, us and LSU, and and 
he's an edge rusher, and Jamar Kane got him. So I texted him a little, little congratulations. Uh, but I'm like, uh, you punk. <laughs> but 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 that's what's that's that's the thing with me is like when when OU rallied around Stoops and my goodness that press conference that was awesome. That press so conference, cool. the man can work a room yes, still, he can, can he? Uh, yeah. I mean, he's sitting there saying, uh, you know, the big booming voice, and I won't do my do any Bob Stoops impressions because it'll be horrible. But, like, when he talks about, oh, my wife's glad to get me out of the house, like, seeing Bob Stoops be that calm and cool, like, he's just, like, it's like the fatherly figure coming up. Everything's fine. Like, everything's, he puts your hand on your shoulder and says, everything's going to be fine. And you believe him because he knows what he's talking about. He's been there. He's done it. He's a Hall of Famer. And... With him, I mean, you you heard players talk about in the bowl game, like I can't wait to play for Coach Stoops. Yeah. Like I want to play for Coach Stoops. Like you talked about it. I want to go to Oklahoma. It's different to say, you know, I want to go to Oklahoma to play for Coach Stoops, versus oh, what what's in it for me or whatnot, right? So you had current players on the roster that were so excited about it. I mean, the man was golfing, hung up the clubs and just went right to the office. I'm there. And he said, "What can I do to help? How can I help?" Like when people reply to anything with how can I help what can I do to help like th- those are the people that you know you want in your circle right is, is th- he's not worrying about he tried to deny payment twice for the bowl game he's like look I'm here to help just I'm here to help so it was it's was funny because people were like I think it was Trammell that asked like so do you see yourself you know extending beyond just the bowl game and coaching maybe next season and he was like absolutely nah. not he goes he goes joe won't take that long yeah. to find somebody one and done <laughs> yeah he's like i'm good how did it done. feel for you dom to, to see him come back and coach that game man it was it was huge you know because like i said growing up growing up in oklahoma it was i i'll tell you right now growing up in oklahoma and getting that oklahoma offer you didn't even have to go to the nfl because you looked at university of oklahoma like it was the nfl like it was just it was Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma was bigger than the NFL. Like growing up, you got that, you got that offer. You was like, okay, I'm stamped. But it was, it was just good, like you said. Like, and I think we've been, we've just been so comfortable and conditioned to winning. We needed, we needed to, it to be shook up, up right? Agi- agitated a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So instead of panicking, it brought everybody closer together. So now I think. When it brought us, when it when it brings us closer together, I think those Saturdays is going to be even different in Norman now. It's always been a great place to play, but I think it's going to be a little bit different now because now you might sit next to a person you've never seen before. We here to watch the game, but now now we family because, like you said, we came together Absolutely. and rallied as a fan base to support these kids, to support these assistant coaches. So now we best friends now, right? Because we fought a common fight already. And now I think it's just going to bring a different energy. And having Coach Stoops, like I said, those kids that they were young coming up, didn't really know too much about him. But just his name, yeah, I want to go play for him in our bowl game. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's just huge that he can be on the golf course and be like, hey, I'll drop whatever I have to come back. If you need me, I'm there. And it, and it says a lot to not need to take payment. Yeah, he don't need the money, but, yeah, he could have took it and gave it to his kids. Absolutely. But it's the simple fact of, no, you took a chance on me to bring me in as a head coach back in the early 2000s. Now I'm paying it back. You need me. I'm here to do whatever I need to do. And it's just it speaks volumes to what Joe Seaton built at Oklahoma. Joe Castiglione, absolutely the the guy that, you know, as far as athletic directors go, I think he's the best in the country. And if I could have it my way. 
college football would elect a chancellor. And Joe Castiglione would be the first chancellor of college athletics. I think across the board, the leadership is what's failing us at the NCAA time after time after time, whether it is transfer portal conversations or NIL or whatever it might be. There's just no direction for college athletics. And what's steering it is the almighty dollar. What's steering it is these news networks, these media networks that are just looking to make make money off this situation. And until we get somebody that has college athletic hands that cares about college athletics in control of this deal, it's going to be a disaster. And that's just how I feel about it. And so now we, we fast forward. It's, it's Brent Venables. It's the university of Oklahoma. It's a new staff. It's 17 players that are 17 starters. Is that correct? That, or contributors that yeah. are no longer on yeah. campus. And now he's having to replace all these guys using the transfer portal Recruiting still at a high level, finishes with the early signing period with a top 10 class. How are we feeling now? Which is, I don't think it can be understated how miraculous. Oh, the damage control? The, just miraculous it is to still land a top 10 class. Absolutely. While one of you know the hottest coaches in the country is trying to take all your players. Because that's one thing. Venables, Venables didn't take any players from Clemson. Jaron Connect, the incredible, like, you know, 10, 300 yard dash linebacker. He's at like uh, 230 or 226. Just, he's a monster. He He's from Hayes, Kansas. Number one player in the state of Kansas. He was going to go Clemson, but then when we got Venables, he was like, well, I'm going to OU. He's about to pull a Baker Mayfield and just enroll and show up and be like, hey, I play football for you now. Like, because it, it was a conversation where he, Venables said he wasn't going to take any players. And then basically, Jaron asked for Dabo's blessing you know, leave Clemson and go play for Brent. And only then did he, you know, let him, I mean, that kind of stuff. So you've got, you've got one side. It's different if one side's pulling and the other side's pulling, right? But you had one side pulling out of the roster, but then Venables wasn't backfilling with Clemson talent, right? Right. So um, that's what's so incredible is he was able to still land a top 10 class without bringing in any of those IMG guys or anything like that that wanted to come here. That's the crazy part. So, and then I have to give a ton of props to the class of 2022 commits. Uh, your RSJs, Kobe McKenzie's, Jane Rowe. I mean, and I, there's enough of them that I, I would forget some, so I'm going to stop there. But, like, they are active on the recruiting trail. They're texting people. They're hopping in. Kobe talks about, man, I'll jump in somebody's Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, LinkedIn if they have, like, whatever. I'm going to get a hold of that guy and let him know what Oklahoma's about and why they should come to Oklahoma. Crazy, right? Like, those, are, those are the best recruiters. Yeah. yeah. When your players recruit. Like, we're, doing, we're going best, through the same thing. The best like, recruiters. So, they're like, we're in the same position. Like, we're going through the same things. This is why I think you should come here. And that, I think, was such a huge thing with those guys. I mean, RSJ was messaging me, like, when we were on the space one out, I was like, hey, do you, if somebody sees them in the chat, they're like, hey, ask them if they want to talk. He takes me back. He's like, no, I'm recruiting right now. I'm on the phone with a couple of recruits. I was like... How crazy does that – like, that sounds crazy to me, but that's – so much credit has to go to the 2022 kids and a lot of the people on the, on the current team that are like, hey, we understand that, you know, we're part of this family too. If you got any questions or anything, guys like Pat Fields and stuff that is now at Stanford, obviously. Um, but he's, you know, talking to a lot of the 918 guys. He's talking to a lot of the 405 – like, that kind of stuff. It can't be – it can't be, you know, it can't be lost that they had such a, a, a you know, a massive hand keeping that class together and anybody I've ever heard that I haven't had the pleasure to meet Brent yet, but everybody's just like, man, it's just when you meet that guy, the you want to play for him. Yeah. yeah. 
definitely so, do. Yeah. Talk talk to us a little bit on uh, what was what was it like first meeting Venables, and then what do you think? You say you're a Venables guy. That's what that you your words. I'm a Venables guy. What what was kind of what helped in that process to turn you into officially a Venables guy? Man, just my first my first chance. Well, my favorite story about him: we're playing a, a night game. And it's like he's up at 7.30, and it's like he's already drunk about 20, 25 cups of coffee. <laughs> like, he's just amped up. And I remember looking at I remember looking at Brian Jackson. I'm like, well, I don't think he's going to make it to kick off. <laughs> like, we still have 10, 12 hours. Like, I don't think he's going to make it. Like, he's just so he's just so antsy. But, you know, it's just – it was just a family feel in our defensive meeting room. You know, it's always easy to go and talk to him. And, you know, my biggest thing is you want to hear the message and not really hear the tone. So when somebody's yelling at you, you got to understand, okay, where are they really coming from? You know, and with him, you always knew that, okay, Dominic, I might get on to you, but you got to know it's coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. And I understand how good you can be. You're not playing like it. So it was more of how he controlled us and talked to us versus, hey, just go do this and I don't see you again. And, you know, when I when I say I'm a Venables guy, I don't know if y'all seen the video. He's carrying the recruits. Stuff in TVs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like that didn't surprise you one bit, did it? Not at all. That's and awesome. That's, that's the reason why I'm a BV guy. So it's a lot of stuff that back then when I played, we didn't have things. We didn't have ways to record it and post it. So now you see more of the the man, the human side of him, and not just see him on TV as the DC, where he's always so amped up. Right. You know what I mean. You see the love and the concern that he has for people because, like you said, that's that's big in recruiting. To think one coach is trying to steal the players from his former school, and the other coach is like, you know what, you can do it. But I'm gonna handle it the right way. Absolutely. And I'm gonna tell Dabo I'm not gonna take any Clemson kids because I respect you as a man, not as a coach, but as a man. I'm not gonna do your program like that by taking those kids away from you. So it's just all of that doing it the right way. You want someone like that to lead your team or be in a position of power because you know, no matter how bad it gets, he's still gonna do it the correct way and not going to backstab somebody else because somebody is trying to do that to him. So it's a lot of stuff that makes me a BV guy, but I think now that social media is so big, you will see more of the off-the-field BV than yeah. you do just the D.C. or the coach standing on the sideline. Because I was just – my first time, I was like, I don't know if he's going to do it because, you know, being on the offensive side and you watching a lot of football, it's hard for coaches to really yell at offensive guys. Right. It's easy for a defensive coach to cuss out <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. a defensive guy. Right. So my brother was like, man, you think BB going to get the job? And I was like, ah, I don't really know. Like, I'm like, I want him to, but I'm like, I don't know if he's, he's going to be able yeah. to flip that switch and kind of, hey, it's okay, guys. We'll be, you know, it's just different. But once he got it and just seeing his energy, and I just think it felt right because he's able, he was able to come back to Oklahoma after being here and then going to Clemson and growing and doing taking the steps he's needed to do to be the best coach he can be, circle back and okay now my time is now, now I'm ready for all of this. Yeah, I think I think what we you know when you think of coaching trees and things like that, you have to look at 
you know, who mentors these guys because that's who they learn from. They don't have any other, you know, any other, you know, source to draw from. I mean, and it would be real tough to find a better tree than Snyder, Stoops, and Dabo. I mean, those were the three guys that you were under, and it's like, man, that's that's strong. And those are really good examples. And, of course, he can continue with that respect for Dabo and with that continued relationship, of course. Um, He's – I don't think it's any – he's a dummy when it comes to, hey, I need to maintain that because imagine just being able to talk to uh, Bob or Dabo whenever you want about something coming up. And obviously Bob's going to be as, you know, as willing to help as, as anybody. But Dabo, I, I absolutely believe that Brent's got a problem. Dabo's going to pick up that phone and talk, talk oh, with him through it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. He's maintaining those relationships because he has those familial relationships that go beyond just workplace relationships. Yeah. So that's I, the thing, right? It's that family thing. Yeah. And as all three of those coaches pride themselves on being family guys, the first thing that BV wants to talk about when he gets in front of a microphone is just that, the football family. Family is football. Football is family, whatever you want to say it. Uh, and you get that vibe from him 100%. I think it's why it's so easy for the fan base to relate to him. I think it's so easy for the players. Caleb Kelly meets him one time, and his Twitter's just blowing up. I would run through a wall for this guy. Caleb was dragging a leg, yeah. right? He, I mean, yeah. He's like, I want to go play for him. I want to come back one more year just to play for this guy. Players are the ones that will 100% tell you the truth. If they got a wrong vibe from Brent Venables, you would know about it. Definitely. Either because you wouldn't hear anything from him, right, or there'd be that one or two guys. I mean, look, Texas had a kid this year videotape a coach and mm-hmm. put it on the Internet. These kids aren't nearly as loyal as they right. used to be. Right. So when you see these the, the, the OU players, the true Sooners that stayed, and the conversation they're having about their new head coach, it's absolutely incredible. This, to me, as an outsider, very much has this random junction boy – feel to it right like they have circled the wagons they're calling all the former players back they bring it back schmitty who is renowned as to be that dude as far as strength and conditioning is concerned and the guy that really gave bob stoops championship caliber teams that identity right and here we go back into this season and it just the story it's just beginning you know what i mean the story is just now starting i mean phil lodeholt levy I mean, DeMarco now being there, uh, Beatonbow's been there a while, but Hale's still being there, Joe John Finley being there. I mean, they're talking about maybe Sam Bradford having some type of analyst role, maybe. Um, like, stuff like that. It very much feels, I know Sooner Gridiron made those Oklahoma versus uh, the World shirts. That's absolutely that what way, it feels it? like, yeah. is we're getting right. the band back together and we're going to show the country ap- actually what Oklahoma football is all about. You know, it's not about finesse. It's not about it. It is about strength. It's about, you know, just – I don't know, just just grit and whatever you know, whatever words you want to use for it. But it's getting back to those days, and I think now everybody else has gone on and grown in their career, and now they're ready to come back with right. new perspective and right. new knowledge to where they're even better than they were when they left. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I want to get into some Schmitty stories. Yeah, and it's, and it's even it's even like you said, like relationships are huge. The family, the family feel of it. You know, what's family relationship? Well. You can get a head coach to carry things in the dorms. Mm-hmm. Well, now you know, okay, well, he's not just using me to win games. It's more of a relationship. So now you, as a parent, you like, I want you to go play for this man. Absolutely. Because I understand when I'm not around, he's going to look out for your best interest. You know, and it's – the Smitty thing was crazy. I remember our first meeting when I was at Oklahoma. Coach Stoops gets up. We have a team meeting. And he tells us. 
Smitty was my first hire. He said, I hired Smitty before I hired my own brother. So he said, that'll tell you how much respect I have for his word. Wow. So he's going to tell me who's going to play and who's not going to play. And I think that was like Coach Venable's first hire was Smitty. Yeah. So when you, as you say, getting the band back, DeMarco, Coach Venables, Smitty, Joe John, Coach Gundy, those five won't be comfortable because they already won Big 12 championships. So now it's time to take that next step. Now when I come in as a when I come in as a high school recruit, DeMarco's not going to talk about Big 12 championships. Well, we didn't already did that. Well, what's the next step? Well, now when you get the band back together, like you said, who's better to tell an Oklahoma story than people that didn't already lived it? Right. Who didn't already went through Smitty stories? Who didn't already won yeah. a lot of games? Now it's going to be easier for kids to buy in because they like, well, they already been through the struggle that I'm about to go through. So now it's going to be so easy for me to listen to DeMarco, Joe John, Coach V, because they know exactly what it takes for me to be successful at this level and move forward. And now if I listen to what they say, we can add a little bit to it and take it even farther than where we couldn't go in 08 when we lost to Florida. But now they have an opportunity to get the blueprint to know what it takes to get there. But now it's going to be up to y'all to really buy in and take it to the next step and bring that national championship back to Oklahoma because it's been too long. Yeah. It's been too close and it's been too long. I think a, I think a great uh, kind of talking about having that blueprint and it's just it's so much easier when when everything passes through that blueprint, right? You're like because because it's like having a, a set of standards, like hey, this this quality control, yeah, this, absolutely. This yeah. one this one new thing that we're trying to do. Does this fit in this blueprint? Well, mm-hmm. if it doesn't, then don't do it. Do, everything runs through that blueprint. And I think a stat I saw today, yesterday, uh, the, I think strictly speaking, defensive coaching staff, if I have this right, defensive coaching staff prior to the change had zero national title appearances. Now the combined staff has 13 national title appearances. Just the... It's kind of like when Jalen Hurts came. Jalen Hurts, he came and he was like, I know what it looks like. Like, I know what a championship team looks like because I was just on one. So that's where it was like, but imagine Jalen, and Jalen, everybody talked about his leadership and about how he was just different. I mean, we see it in the NFL. His leadership is part of the reason he's got a job. So with that, now you've got the Jalen Hurts-style experience of championship-level football all throughout your coaching staff. Right. That's and that's huge. Yeah. That's 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 very that's big time cuz like you said like what who's a better teacher than somebody that has already experienced that. Right. You know, that's huge like And credibility. Said, I mean, if, if somebody comes in crazy. and tries to tell me how to run a restaurant, but they they there's closed. And and here's the thing, I've I've talked about cuz I'm I'm I may I've talked about getting into restaurant consulting um, down the road, but if so, I'll use that example, and we can apply it to football. If there's a restaurant consultant out there that has, say, he's got a failed restaurant, but he was like, "Well, I know why I failed, so I'm going to consult people and coach people on how not to fail." Well, there's a hundred ways you can fail in a restaurant. You could be maybe it was bad food, maybe it was bad service, maybe the food cost was off, maybe you didn't, you know, allocate enough money for insurance costs, or maybe you didn't. There's a hundred different reasons, right? We'll say that his reason that it failed was because he couldn't get food costs under control. Well. When you 
when he goes in and tells his first client, what's the first thing he's going to say how to succeed? Get your food costs under control. Right. Well, then what if they fail because their labor cost is too high? Well, he didn't see that coming because he he didn't make that didn't have to make that work for long term because he failed doing that. So with that, these these championship level, it's like, hey, I know every facet of what it takes yep. to get there because what we can say is, oh man, we we didn't get there because of uh, our past defense, or we didn't get there because we didn't run the ball enough, or we didn't get there like, but you. You may not. We fix that, and then all of a sudden we don't get to national title. We're say, but we fixed the thing that we said was keeping right, us from yeah. there. Then why are we winning the national title? Yeah. Well, but having the people that have been there, they're like, well, dummy, because it's actually these, this, this, and this that yeah. you have to really pay attention to. Yeah. And I know that because I did it. Yeah. So and then when you, and then to also piggyback, when you did it, that changed the culture of your of your program and organization. So I was talking to uh, Coach Wilson. The offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, like, y'all kids don't ever really seem like they get in trouble. Like, y'all don't have a lot of penalties on the field. Kids don't really get in trouble off the field. I'm like, how do you, what's the standard or what do y'all go by? And he was like, you know, Dominique, to be honest, we don't have one. I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, well, all of these kids understand that if I can start at Ohio State, my next step is the NFL. Absolutely. So he was like, we don't, he said, we don't have to do anything yeah. because they already treat Ohio State, like it's the NFL. So I feel like that was our problem in the past that maybe one or two guys, young men on the defense, really thought my next step is the NFL. So if you look at Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, NFL is not a dream for them. It's the plan. The NFL is the next. It's the plan. Right. That's just the next Absolutely. step. Like I don't dream about going to the NFL if I start on the Alabama defense. I'm thinking about how high can I go. Yeah. It's no dream. So if you think about now that culture and having that that national championship experience, now think about those defensive guys to now their mindset is going to be the next step is the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's not like, damn, I can't even know what it's going to be like to play on Sundays. It's no, I'm trying to get there in three years yeah. as fast as I can. So now that whole, like, now you're going to see, in my opinion, the defense is going to take off like the offense did. Mm-hmm. Because you think about C.D. Lamb. The Sterling Shepherds, the Hollywood the Marco Browns, Murray, Hollywood, Orlando all the running backs, Browns, all the all the, all the quarterbacks, linemen, all the Heisman so yeah. winners. So, so think about it. They know they're going to the NFL, yeah. right? But think about our previous defense, K nine. Um, I mean, now the Gallimores at Dallas. I mean, yeah. You yeah, might you, got, yeah. you think about all Even of those Trey years starting in Pittsburgh, but might be, it might have been five guys that that really knew K nine knew I'm going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Perkins, I know I'm going to the NFL. A lot of those other guys is like, man, I hope yeah. I go to the NFL. So just think about how different that's going to be because that culture is going to change. Right. And now these guys are going to go, I'm going to Oklahoma. I'm going to the NFL. Yeah, it, it, the, changes, uh, it changes from an if to a win. Exactly. What was the um, nose guard, defensive tackle, played in that uh, Rose Bowl? Big dude. Ran like a 4-8 at the Combine. Um just wasn't worth the Sherman he wipes his ass yeah. with on the field, but uh, had a body of Tarzan. And I think back of that kid, and I think if he would have just – what was his name? I know. That's Something with a D? Me. I know. That's going to bug me. I can't think of it. Somebody will let us know I'm on the YouTube trouble, channel yeah, or geez, Twitter or whatever. Every, but you know, there's just been – what I'm getting at, there's been players that Oklahoma has had defensively over the last seven years that I've covered this team that I thought there's something just not hitting. There's something that's not translating. 
how am I going to watch you play an entire game in the Rose Bowl and not play the defensive tackle position correctly one time and then take your big ass to the combine and shock everybody? Like you're bigger and faster and stronger and more agile than anybody ever knew you were, but it didn't translate to the football field. That's not going to happen anymore at Oklahoma. And I I feel comfortable saying that, like I said, as an outsider, looking at how things have come along and the messages being sent today, I truly believe that this next year is going to be very special for Oklahoma. Now, what does that mean from a win-loss perspective? I don't know. Because the Big 12 is not necessarily a joke like it was five years ago either. No. This league is coming up. The coaching has gotten so much better, too. Iowa yeah. State's giving it to you. Kansas State's giving it to you. Dave Oklahoma Aranda, State. Dave Aranda's nothing, Baylor, nothing to you know, there's with. a bunch of good teams in this league. So next year is going to be interesting for sure, but I feel like they're in the right, heading in the right direction. With your coaching uh, talk just now, uh, it, it made me think of a conversation I was having earlier. All these transfers we're getting, you know, some people are skeptical. They're like, oh, well, you know, they're playing at Wyoming or they're playing at Hawaii or they're playing at wherever. I'm like – we're still operating under the last even five years, we'll call it under the last five years of when we got a transfer in, they were being coached by the previous staff. Mm -hmm. When you get a transfer in now and you run them through the current staff. Now the current staff has proven to, to maximize potential. Um, I mean, so a transfer going into the previous system is way different than a transfer going Definitely. into this system Definitely. for two reasons. One, this is this this system has proven to have coaches that can develop well, um, and secondly, these coaches know what they want in championship players. They know when they see it because they've seen it before, and it's that experience. So it's both. It's I can develop you, but I can identify you easier too because right. I know what I know what first round picks. I know what what NFL players. I know what champions look like because I've coached them. Yeah. So I think that's important with these transfers to keep in mind too. Is guys coming into this program, it's it's different. Now they're being identified and developed differently than they were before. Yeah. And like you said too, when it comes to the whole what to expect, I don't really think Oklahoma fans. I don't think we should look at it as wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Or how are these kids performing? Right. You know, because we didn't. You, we all seen a lot of football. You could play the best game and still lose. Absolutely. So a win-loss might not actually tell you the true story, but how you play can tell me everything. So if they get out there and play great defense, well, they might win three games, but I'm going to say that's a great year because where we've been in the past Absolutely. with defense. So even me coaching high school, I, I look at it as wins, losses, state championships don't define if we had a good year in my opinion. Because my job is to get, to teach you as much football as you can. So I have two of my corners. One guy, he, he transferred. His name is Corbin Green. He transferred from Booker T. Okay. This, he's a, he transferred, came to me as a junior. His senior year was his first time playing in a varsity football game. Well, he's about to get a D1 offer. I have another kid that transferred from Oklahoma City to Owasso, and now he has two Division One offers. Wow. So, I can't say well just because we didn't win a state championship, my the their my my first two years was a failure because I've helped two kids that never would have got a college scholarship. Now they have D one offers coming in, so I look at it as wins and losses can't always determine Absolutely. how good of a year. That's what's up. You've you know that's and, what's and up. that's of course yeah, and, and that's different versus I think 
when you see the previous staff, it was all about, okay, we need to win Big 12 championships. We need to win games. But look how we play. We should never be in a in a close game with the University of Kansas. It should never Bro, be like, hey, what? it should yes. never, it should never, the, the, the press conference after should never be like, hey, you know what? A win is a win. No, that's unacceptable. Right. Because you're the University of Oklahoma with the best talent. There's no way you should be in a close game. So now it depends on this family feel. How do these kids perform right. under this new regime? And I think that's going to be bigger than wins and losses. It's the, like I said, being an outsider, it's the one thing that I watch with intent because I'm like, I wish I could have played against these Oklahoma defenses. I wish that right. that would have been the defense I played against. Right. We would have beat their asses right. for four quarters. Easy. The defense that I played against, there were nine NFL players looking back at us, and they were all pissed off for four quarters. And it was a fist fight that we were going to feel for a week afterwards when you played Oklahoma. And I haven't gotten that vibe from this team really on either side of the ball. When, when, uh, Cody Ford and Orlando were here. Those boys, they that, would do that it on the offensive line. line. It, they line. were nasty. That but that was the, that's the only crazy. group that I can think of that really embodied what it was for me as an opponent of Oklahoma football. Right. Like, that was the last time that I looked at OU football and thought, yeah, those kids get it. Yeah. They understand it. And they and that's Bill Biedenboe, who is a – I love him. I think Bill's one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And the fact that he's still here is a huge win for Oklahoma. But Bill wants pirates. He recruits guys like that, right? And so – to think that everybody else after this spring and summer is going to be on that same page, that's a weapon, be, right? And that's it's a weapon. And it's the thing, too, that like I, when people talk to me about my years at Oklahoma, and I tell them, like, a lot of people don't know that the year that we went to the national championship, we replaced on our defense. We had 10 new starters the year that we went to the national championship under Coach Venables. That's wild. You know, with the offense that we had. So you think – Every game that we went in, we didn't know what to expect because we didn't have anybody to bounce that off of. of, I didn't have – so I think we had – Nick Harris was the only returning starter on that team. So you had me, Brian Jackson, Gerald McCoy, Travis Lewis. We babies. So we don't have anybody to say, hey, now, okay, like how do I need to watch film? Right. And Coach V was – Coach Venables was able to get us to the national championship. So it's – you have to give it time. And you just have to watch how it's moving in the right direction. Because if you think about that year that 08, we went to the national championship. Well, that following year, 09, we returned everybody back. So we replaced one starter, but that was the year that Sam gets hurt. First week, Jermaine Gresham gets hurt the week of the BYU game on Wednesday. DeMarco is hurt. So you think about now we went to the national championship with 10 new starters. Our defense was crazy now that we all know what to expect leading into a game. We know how to eat. We know how to prepare. We know how to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, if those guys don't get hurt on offense, we probably won a national championship right. because now our defense, we already Grown knew what up. to expect. So that's the biggest thing for me is these young guys, offense, you know they're going to be good. But defense, buy in. Buy, Smitty going to kill you? Just pray. You gonna be all right, right. but buy in because the fruits of your labor is gonna be crazy if you just buy into what they're trying to install and teach. And I think, like you said, I think it's gonna be a great year for them, no matter the wins and losses. Right. Just flying around, hitting people, turning the ball over, just getting back to that aspect of the game. Tell us, uh, uh, you were you were telling us a little Schmitty story before uh, I hopped on with you guys. Uh, talk to us a little about. Give us a couple of. Uh, 
of Schmitty stories about how, how it was like for you when you were there. Because yeah, I know we'll, this is the first day, so right, I know. In honor of it being the first day, we'll, it, we'll end this podcast yeah. with some Schmitty stories. It was hell. <laughs> Schmitty, the... So, before they didn't have all the, like, you can only work out for two-hour rules. So, my first year, I made every workout because we didn't get time when we had to run sprints. After that, I never made a workout. I was kicked out the second day. So, I would, we would sit in class, me and Brian Jackson. We sit in class, and we see the offensive guys come in because they work out at 5, 50, and 7 in the morning. We start class at 9, 30, whatever. So, we don't work out the linebackers. DBs don't work out until 1 to 3. D-line and O-line is 3 to 5. So we got all day to think about how we're going to die in workouts. So as you walking in, we're trying it's hotter. To, it's hotter. It's in right. the summer, right? right. You're talking about 100-degree weather. Yeah. It was the one summer where it didn't rain none that whole summer. <laughs> Offense and then we had, had it that, easy. Offense had it easy. Right. The sun's not even out. Right. We out there in triple-degree weather, 100 degrees every day in the summer. So we like, you know, we – See Malcolm Kelly come in. You see DeMarco come in. You see Sam come in. So you kind of like, you're trying to gauge of how they walk into class. Before they even sit down, you're trying to gauge like the body language to know, am I going to make it or not? <laughs> so as soon as they sit down and they be like, man, don't even tell me. Because now you're making it to where I can't eat breakfast. I can't eat lunch. Right. And then so can't I can't focus on anything other than the workout. Yeah, yes. And then so now my nerves is gone. So then when <laughs> yes. I go to workout, I'm getting kicked out in the first 10 minutes of workouts. He's telling me to come back at three. I get, I come back at three. I get kicked out again. Dominique, come back at five, but meet me at the stadium. We running bleachers. So now we running stadium steps. Dominique, you know what? Just come back at five in the morning. Like when I tell you it was a <laughs> lot of, it was a lot of sleepless nights for me. And it was bad because I started. Right. Sleepless nights. I had my buddy. You remember Emmanuel Jones. Of Emmanuel course. stayed with me. Full body cramps. I mean, it is, yeah. Full <laughs> body cramps. Just don't like. It's, it's just so no he answer. He was just telling you just because he didn't like your effort. He yes. was just telling you to come back. So we was getting and you, so. And in your brain, you're like, I'm giving you everything I got. So 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 this will tell you how this this will tell you how bad it was. We would get kicked out. The DBs, the whole DB group, we would get kicked out if we wasn't doing high knees and A skips fast enough. In the warm up. In the warm up. So he would come in and we would already be in. He would run in. He would just be like, Dom, B Jack, Courtney, Brett, three o'clock. And we like, what? We like, we haven't even started yet. The worst is when you when you come up to him and he's in the he's working out another group and your 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 position coach like, hey, you know what? You know how Smitty is. Just go massage him. Go apologize. The worst thing is, is you looking at that man in the face. You like Smitty. I'm, I'm sorry, Coach. He turns around and runs off on you. And you just, <laughs> and you just stand in there. So everybody in the weight room is looking like, "What are you doing?" And you're just looking at Smitty back, and he's just taking off running on his tips with a little crew cut. Like it was, <laughs> like what he was, like how he was trying to build us up. Like it really, like I used to call my mother and go over her house because she moved, she moved to Norm. And I used to go over there every day, call her if I didn't go over there. And, I don't know if I want to do this anymore just because of the workout part. I was like, I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, Coach Stoops already done told us that he's going to determine who plays. I said, clearly I'm not going to be on the field. <laughs> well, yeah. if, this is, if this is who decides, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I won't even be allowed like, to go to the games, let alone play them. But it was, it, was, it, it was tough, man. But it was, it was he made us men. Yeah. And we cherished, and it goes back to being with your brothers. Right. We Surviving. We we cherish those moments 
So if we went to a party and one of us got into it with somebody, we're not a whole football team, man. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't went to war with you with Smitty. Mm-hmm. So damn it, if we gonna make it through Smitty, we about to we about to break whoever down that we need to break down. And it goes back to you go to another school. I don't want to see you on my campus at a party. Right. Right. Like we had a we 100%. had a we had a mutual understanding. Like I remember, I, my sister Angie Kenzie, she went to Oklahoma State. I went to a party out there by myself. Not gonna lie to you, I was scared to death. Absolutely, because I'm like, oh wait, Man, like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Because I'm right. like, I'm out here by myself, right. and I'm like, I know how we feel. So Absolutely. I'm like, luckily I knew Paris Cox, and Paris Cox was like, "Man, it's all right." So I was like, "Yeah, I didn't really think this through." Because I'm like, right. I'm by myself. I'm like, "Cause this could get bad." But it was just that that whole Smitty thing. I'm glad that he brought him back because he's been a strength coach in the SEC at A&M. So it's just crazy that everybody didn't left did what they needed to do and being able back. to come back home so now when he so now when coach v say hey smitty do whatever you got whatever you got to do well he already knows he's been in the sec right so he knows what them d linemen need to look like he knows what the dbs at what times they need to be running mm-hmm. to have the the most successful product that you have so it's i pray that those kids drink a lot of water eat good and I just hope he dials it down and he's not the same Smitty that I had. Cause. <laughs> well, and even the accountability side, right? I mean, you spend so much time with the strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. If you have a great DB coach, the DBs are going to get better. If you have a great wide receivers coach, the wide receivers are going to get better. If you have a great strength and conditioning coach, the whole team gets better. Everybody and I don't, gets better. And, and, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't think people really understand that the most, to me, the most important coach on the staff is your strength and conditioning coach. Because, that's like you said, that's who you see – you're around. So you think about it when I, when I was in college, I might have, well, I did. I only seen my coach during football season and what the month and a half that you have spring, spring football. Yeah, right. But other than that, he's out recruiting. But guess who I do see every day? Every day. Smitty. Yeah. yeah. Every day. So, like, people don't understand. Like, he's really probably the most important because you spend the most time with Absolutely. Him. So you need somebody in that position that you trust and you know that they're going to do a great job. Because that's who I'm giving you to until we get to actual football practice. Because this, it's tough, man. I, I I feel for those kids. I wouldn't want to go through a workout again. Gentlemen, I enjoyed this so much. This is uh, Travis called, and I've wanted to get you on for a minute. And this just kind of worked out perfectly. That was going to be in Tulsa today. Uh, both of you guys have killed it today. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time. Hey, Travis Davison here at Trey's Bar and Grill. Dominique Franks, DB coach there at Owasso, giving back to the community. I love that story, too. Thank you, sir. I'm looking forward to seeing both you guys in Norman this season, man. I'll be there. All right, guys. Have a good one. Absolutely.